Hello, I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week-to-Week Political Roundtable. You can find out more about Week-to-Week, including how to attend a program when you're in the Bay Area, and all about our nearly 500 programs a year at CommonwealthClub.org. Today, Week-to-Week presents another fascinating program from the club. Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show, your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. I'm Michelle Miao, here with my co-host, John Zipper of the Commonwealth Club. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Michelle. It's a special taping. I feel like it's, a, you know, it's different from our, our, our in-studio uh, in audience. Um, I also enjoy the intimacy that we have with each other right now. I'm so close to you. Well, this is a lot like the several years that I was going over to your studio and, and the coffee studios down in the uh, southern part of San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, recording there with just you and maybe a producer and our guest <laughs> or someone on the phone. This is nice. This Throwback is nice. Thursday. Yes, exactly. Well, this is a special program. We do have a guest, just no audience, and our guest today is Josephine Zhao, who ran for San Francisco School Board. And um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I'm, I'm going to, you know, just welcome Josephine to the program now. Josephine, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, John. Glad you're here. So, you know, you were a controversial candidate. And a lot that came out of that controversy was uh, some alleged remarks regarding the transgender community. And, and, a, and a couple of those those articles online also cited and had had their their proof of of those comments and your position on especially the, you know, gender uh, neutral bathroom policy or in plain language, what access for transgender students would be in regards to bathrooms in schools. Um, So we'll get there. We'll have a conversation about that. But first, let's talk about you and get to know you and share, you know, a little bit about where you're from and, you know, what life was like for baby Josephine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, so fun. So I actually grew up in the poverty of China. Um, uh, English is my third language, uh, so I have a par- uh, uh, both sets of. I mean, sorry, I have parents. Uh, sorry, uh, when I was growing up, my parents and my brother and I basically have nothing. Uh, we lived in a tree house, uh, and then we b- put together bricks and mortar and built our family home, wow. and everything within it. You know, the wood furniture, basic furniture. So, um, you know. I went through rationing. We, you know, we had no TV, refrigerator, washer, dryer, none of the modern essentials. But we had rationing of food, rationing of cloth that make clothes with. Um, we had rationing of soap and everything in between. So <laughs> I remember uh, when I was five years old, a dark morning in the winter, cold. I wait three hours in front of the market for the meat ration. And mm. then when the market opened at 8 o'clock, I joined the stampede and ran to the meat counter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was how life was. I was used to things being given to me at the mercy of my superiors. I, 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 
if, just for context, I mean, what year was that? Because I, I just finished a book, actually, and, and its focus was um, Shanghai and the exodus of Shanghainese mm-hmm. after uh, the communist takeover of China. And I'm just trying to figure out what point in history was that during Japanese occupation you know, or, yeah. Japanese occupation was in the late 30s and uh, up to mid 40s. Uh, when I was growing up, it's in the beginning of 70s, so mm-hmm. the early 70s. So we're talking cultural revolution time. Yeah, at the end of, you know, the mid to end of cultural revolution. Yeah. So things got better in the late 70s yeah. uh, when the uh, country started to have reforms. Um, but what had happened to my family and me basically just iron in my brain for a very long time. So, And it, had, it takes a lot to undo all those things that I have, you know, learned back when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's the same way for many, many immigrants that came to the United States. What they have learned in the home country has already molded them the way they are. And it's going to take a long growing path or even a journey to assimilate into the American culture. So when did you come over from China? I came to the United States when I was 19 and okay. uh, in the 90s. Uh, you know, my parents have always instilled in my mind that I have to get out of the country and go to this fancy land called the America in order to get a better life for myself. Um, and they wanted me to be an engineer for some reason. And they thought that was the only way that I can avoid discrimination. And they were so right. Because when I came to the mountain region and uh, pursue a higher education, I had to get a rash of, um, you know, racial slurs being said to me. And I was very shy and have very little language skills. I just like took it in. I knew what was going on, but I couldn't respond. Um, but then I was grateful. I mean, the only way that I knew how to deal with it was to retreat into the computer lab. Yeah. So that I was grateful that my parents had already made me to learn engineering, you know, from very early on. And now I still, you know, understand, resonate with me that why so many tiger parents are actually pushing their kids to STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, because that's the best way, easiest way to avoid discrimination. But now that we are growing up, our next generation and the generation after that, like you are, Michelle, will be able to fight discrimination head on. But before we get there, the easiest way for many immigrants will say, well, let's just avoid it altogether. Hmm. Well, so another idea was because, you know why? Because even there are bigots out there. No one is going to say, I'm not going to ride that train because it was built by Chinese coolies, right? Nobody say, I'm not going to use that computer program because it was developed by Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, San Francisco and how long you've lived in San Francisco and being a part of the Bay Area community. So actually... You know, after I came to America, there were three stages of my life. The first stage I spent on getting an education, getting a job, getting a green card, survival. So the second stage is actually, you know, moving to the Bay Area, pursuing dot-com dream, getting a family, having some kids and living my American dream. I was very happy. But at the same time, I was apolitical. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) I have no idea about voting. I wasn't even uh, a citizen. But 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, um, my family of six moved to the city because my then four-year-old older daughter had kidney failure at the age of four. 
when we moved here, I had so much trouble trying to to situate my family of six in the city. It was a lot of barriers. And in order for me to search for answer and search for for a, a, a change, I became a citizen in order to vote. And that's when it was 2011. All of a sudden, I became politically aware. So it took like 20 years for me to become politically aware. And I can totally relate to a lot of immigrants that still don't believe in voting. Mm -hmm. And and so in San Francisco, I mean, by the time you, you came in such unfortunate you know, circumstances, uh, the city is already a big hub of a safe haven, a sanctuary city, not just for immigrants, but for LGBTQ people. It's the mm-hmm. capital in a lot of ways and in which our history outside of New York. And so I have a question about even LGBTQ and the acronym and, and, and kind of, you know, the first time you knew what those acronyms stood for. Uh, talk to us about your relationship with the LGBTQ community, the history, when the first time you, you got it. Okay. So it's funny that, you know, one of my closest co-worker when I first came to the city, it took me a long time for me to figure out he's a member of the LGBTQ community. He's also an immigrant from China like I was. Uh, he concealed his sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the two of us just clicked and we stood up for each other during, at workplace when there was, uh, you, know, you know, unfair treatment. So, but then later on, we also, we worked together for a long time. And then later on, at the very last year, both of us befriended with a male co-worker who transformed into a female right in front of, you know, us working there. And I was so admiring of her courage and her beautiful skin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was like, oh, my God, this is possible in our city. So I was taken aback and I really thought this is something I've never heard of or think of. So but from that point on, I, I will have to admit that I opened up myself to a whole new possibility. But not until 2015 that I first um, being invited to a gay marriage uh, where um, a one of the grooms uh, was a immigrant from Taiwan. And I was the only um, Asian immigrant in the whole wedding. Really? Um, and I was so proud of myself because I gave support to his family who flew in from Taiwan because they weren't really sure about what's going on and how they were being received. So I'm happy that I was there for him and for them. Um, so you said like, you know, some of this was like the, the transgender person and not really even having been aware of that before. Had any LGBTQ you know, issues, had you, you, because you were non-political for most of your life, mm-hmm. I mean, does, does that just not exist? I saw a news story today about some guy, I don't know where he was, um, but uh, he was saying, you know, I, I, I never even met a gay person until I was 50. Well, I suspect he did, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, was it, was it just kind of that, that wasn't none, none of your family? And it was not something you even knew about or thought about or what? So, I mean, I, you know, like the reason that I really love America is because 
of our freedom to coexist. And as I tell many people in my community, that San Francisco has 900,000 people and we have like a gazillion communities. And the reason we can coexist is because of based on respect. We respect each other's way of life. Mm-hmm. And that's how I operate. I respect your way of life, I respect your way of love. Even though I don't understand, I may not be able to fully embrace, um, but, you know, I respect how you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the hard part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, mentioned 2015 being your first same-sex marriage that you witnessed, but yet a newspaper uh, or a, a local newspaper here in San Francisco had dated comments that you had made to Chinese-speaking newspapers back in 2013 mm-hmm. about, um, I, you know, being... Uh, they call it transphobic comments or remarks. I can't read Chinese, so I don't actually know. But share with us in your words, you know, what happened there? What were you talking about? I know at this point you probably were, you know, involved with the school, uh, school district, maybe Pacific Justice Institute, an organization um, that was fighting against the the policy to make bathrooms gender neutral so that it's safe for transgender children to access. So let's go back to 2013 and what was actually said. So 2013 was about two years after I became a citizen and became politically aware. Um, I became, you know, um, uh, I was invited, I started to get invitation to join political events within the Chinese-speaking community. I said I ascended pretty quickly because I was bilingual and um, I was smart and relatively young. Um, and I was also able to take orders, just like how I grew up, you know, I took orders, um, and quickly get things done. Um, so I thought I was really using my talent to help the community advancing our cause. And I was new, I was young, when people, you know, the leader of my community thrust over to me uh, a legislation and they, you know, I was easily influenced, I was easily bought into what my superior was telling me. Um, and retrospect, you know, that was not very, you know, open-minded. Um, at, at the same time, I think that, you know, I had no idea of what's going on outside of our Chinese-speaking community. I have no idea how laws were made and what was the background and the continuity of how this piece of legislation came about. And I wasn't, you know, careful in thinking maybe there's another version of what they, I was told. Maybe there are other people I can reach out to to ask for something that seemed like totally culture shock to me. You know, that piece of legislation, um, when it was introduced to us, it was very, very out of the roads. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing or hearing, the explanation of that. Um, But I really should have, you know, in retrospect, I wish I knew as much as I do. And I know as much about um, how to reach out as much as I do back in the days, so that we can do more research and be more more open-minded. And I immediately, 
you know, draw a conclusion and jump into uh, a direction of mistrust. You know, uh, when you don't know something, you just immediately default to a safe position. That's how I was. And especially when I was at that time, I was working at the tech industry, being a short, petite Asian woman, having to survive in the male dominant world. I have to be quick in drawing opinion, quick to defend myself and are very opinionated. And that trade really like led me into hot water in the 2013 situation. And I really deeply regret about that. Well, let's let, let's dive into that a little bit. You have two young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, yeah, and, and let's not forget that you came to San Francisco under very serious and mm-hmm. unfortunate circumstance, a health issue for your daughter. Right. And and then getting involved with the the school district, being a PTA mom, a single mom, working in a male dominated um, industry, just understanding LGBTQ at this point uh, in in some ways as a community, and not under, and just getting involved politically. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about you know getting involved politically and in and isolated in the Chinese community, and some of these um, uh, issues being spoken to you. And what I'm hearing is that if you don't have the the knowledge to, you know, to really have a different lens as far as understanding legislation and how, mm-hmm. how all that happens, these groups that really want you to support their issue, you know, a lot of times will have propaganda or promote mm-hmm. something. And sometimes it feels very scary or there's some fear mongering, mm-hmm. which Pacific Justice Institute is... It had was doing and very good at it uh, with a lot of p- folks who re- are, you know, religious leaders and, and other PTA moms. What was being said to you about this piece, this legislation piece and, and children having access to the bathroom um, that might have made you feel or, you know, and it's OK. It's OK to say to, to say at that time, that's how you felt. Mm-hmm. So, th- so being being that you know um, anti open about you know gender neutral bathrooms or transgender children being able to use the bathroom they identify with, right? So basically, back in 2013, the law came. To, it was introduced to us by that group that you mentioned, uh, not as a gender neutral bathroom law, but as a communal bathroom law, tong chi tong yo in Cantonese, or you know, meaning that there will be no more boys and girls bathroom and everyone will be using each other's bathroom. Anybody can go into everybody's bathroom or shower facility with the that the, the limited, you know, privacy level. So it, it's also this different word, like, right, uh, commu- um, gender neutral bathroom in Cantonese is 中性起所, which is different from communal bathroom, which is 同期同友. Okay, so means that we're going to keep the boys and girls bathroom and shower facility, but in addition, we add another one for everybody to go in. So that was where I think the concept was misplaced. And people would be like, it was totally a culture shock for me. I was like, how would it be possible to have communal bathroom? Everyone will be communal <laughs> in shower and everything for boys and girls. I'm like, oh my God, that's totally... so. I mean, that is where 
the misconception came in. But, you know, I think that at that time, even in 2013, the Chinese-speaking community was advocating to appropriate the unisex bathroom, what we knew as unisex bathroom or the ADA bathroom, for mm. transgender students to use um, and to have their own safety and privacy. Uh, but when when we were saying different things, when the context was given to us in an incorrect way, we say things, we express things in a way that was very unfortunate. And I regret and I apologize for being part of that um, and causing so much harm and misunderstanding and mistrust from the LGBTQ community. Let me draw a historical political parallel, which is that you've been dealing with a lot of people attacking you for that and, you know, kind of demanding you say X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever to, to, you know, atone for it in their mind. Um, and, you know, you were born right at the end of uh, a time in China where you had to say X, Y, Z, whatever they told you to say, mm -hmm. or you could lose your job, your home, your life. I mean, it was, I, I think a lot of people, especially in the United States, don't know enough about Mm -hmm. Maoist times and and it's it has amazing <laughs> stuff that went on there. Um, so I mean, do you, do you ever feel you're kind of being put through a political reeducation instead of a discussion and 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 people actually coming together and, and trying to understand you, or are they just trying to again try to control you? Um, I understand people have every right to do whatever they want, especially in America, uh, under a democracy uh, system, which I really like. I mean, I grew up in China, like you said, I was slotted to say certain things, all my head will be rolling. Um, that's how I came when, you know, for the first 20 years, I had no idea I could say something different. I could be myself. But I was grateful that in 2014, I expanded my reach and started to get into the bilingual community in the Chinese community. So I went from the monolingual to the bilingual community. And I was introduced to the Chinese American Democratic Club, which is the oldest political club in the whole United States to advocate for the civil rights of Chinese American. It was formed and chartered in 1959 in the California state. From that point on, I realized, oh my God, there's more than just what we have heard in the Chinese speaking community. There's more than just, you know, one side of the issue, especially in LGBTQ and many, many other issues. And I became more and more uh, moderate and even progressive as the time go on. And I really have fortunate to find a home in CADC and which allow me to um, have the platform to educate our community further. And not only that, and because of my connection with CADC, later on in 2015, when I meet the group that you talk about and the lawyer that I work under in 2013, what he said to me immediately raised an alarm bell. He said, the land of the law is not his law. His law is the Bible. That's mm. when I was like, oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> but I'm glad now under the leadership of CADC, our Chinese speaking community has to now on those rhetorics and um, not welcome those kind of wordings. Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. so I can understand that piece of, you know, just uh, some confusion, there's some cultural differences in understanding the legislation 
piece back in 2013, 2015, and, 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 you know, what, what you were going through now, speeding it up to mm-hmm. running for school board last year, um, which if someone's listening to this five years from now, I guess I should say <laughs> was 2017, no, 2018, uh, 2018. Yeah. Sorry. What? <laughs> I flies. 2018. That's right. Um, you apologized for what happened in 2013 mm-hmm. and, and you apologized publicly. And then somewhere, somehow there were text messages or, you know, sent through WeChat supposedly to 450 people in the Chinese community. Uh, and, and allegedly, you know, what you said was, mm-hmm. yes, I made an apology, but that's not how I really feel. And I'm just paraphrasing at this point, summarizing and we'll, you'll respond to us, but basically saying like, you know, and it was just kind of a political ploy or a strategy. And even just for apologizing that it had, given you uh, a lot more publicity and 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 so what happened there <laughs> and 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 nine different you know chinese speaking individuals confirmed or translated what was said through the text and saying that that, that and that is in fact what she said that she so she stands it's, it would appear that she still stands as a uh, anti transgender so I apologize for typing the text on WeChat that being, you know, taken as what was being said. I apologize for writing those broken paragraphs and have explained sentences. And when they were translated back to English, it was taken into a different meanings. Uh, you know, I also apologize for, you know, not subjecting myself to the highest standard when I was typing to the people that I knew in a casual way. Um, you know, I should always look at myself as a higher standard, at a higher standard, and always present full fa- facts. That's what I've learned, and that, that is what it took a campaign to learn that. But the heart of the issue is I always support transgender students, their right to use the bathroom consistent with their gender identity. I always support LGBTQ community for their way of love. What is the matter was that continue to be the confusion of different terms, tong qi tong yuk versus zhong seng qi so, communal bathroom versus gender neutral bathroom. When it was spoken in Chinese, there were two different connotations. But when they were converted back in English in a very scattered way, uh, they were both mean the same thing. So communal bathroom, when I explain to a lot of people, they just just, that means gender neutral bathroom. But we didn't know that. I mean, I didn't even know until now after I consulted with a lot of people that communal bathroom could mean that there's no more boys and girls bathroom and gender neutral bathroom means that you still have boys and girls facility, but we add a new one. But well, what about the anti-transgender comments like the s- snake demons and cow, um, no, cow demons and snake spirits? Well, it's very unfortunate that I wrote those things and I fully apologize for, you know, what I wrote. There are many things that I shouldn't have gone there, even though I was like under a lot of stress and was being um, attacked. Um, You know, I should not. Are you talking about all transgender people? Are you talking about people who were attacking you? What were you talking about when you were calling some 
people, um, snake spirits and cow demons. Well, that's a term that I, you know, I really shouldn't have used. Um, I should subject myself to a higher standard when people, you know, um, you know, when I was under attack, I should stay high. Yeah, yeah, I, and I'm just trying to, because I, I mean, it's okay. Is it okay? Is it not okay? But if 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 at some point you said that, you just said it, and you felt it, that's how you felt. Or and I, I'm imagining that we're here today having this con- conversation because you learn from that experience. But what I want to get at is it learning from that experience, and then the next time you run for office, you'll just not do those things. Or has your position changed from thinking that you know transgender people are cow demons and snake spirits? I never thought transgender people are anything less than who they are. Transgender people are members of our society. We love them just as much as I love my neighbors. Uh, what I've learned and what I shouldn't have done is to go low when I was attacked. You know, just like you know, Michelle Obama said, we should stay high, and that's what I've learned, and that's what I should be doing. Doesn't matter if anybody's watching, if anybody is, if I'm speaking in my community or outside of my community, if I'm doing it in Chinese or not. You know, I should subject myself to the highest standard possible. Mm-hmm. John, do you want to add anything? Um, what would be wrong if you did believe that um, transgender people were wrong to, to be what they are? I don't believe that. I never believed that there's anything wrong with being transgender or LGBTQ. Everybody's different. Just like when I was advocating for students, um, I would say that those two students are the same. Therefore, I should support, we should support individualized learning and individualized services for students so that they can grow to their fullest potential. We should support everyone to be who they are, how they are, and the way they love, the way they look. You know, think about us, right? Chinese community was under attack for a long time. You know, we were the subject of a racial identity um, laws, sets of racial identity laws, the Chinese Exclusion Act, the Cubic Air Ordinances right here in San Francisco only a hundred years ago. And tens of thousands of Chinese railroad workers died because they were not treated as humans. And we can draw the same parallel like at the LGBTQ community. Only decades ago, tens and thousands of them died at the epidemic of AIDS epidemic. And now that they are transgender people are facing the risk of being wiped off from the map under the current administration. And I think that when identity are being attacked, and that's the crisis on all humanity. So you am understanding then that the your actions, which were very hurtful to the transgender community and the uh, progressive community who supports the transgender community here in San Francisco. Um, I'm hearing that, you know, a lot of it was under duress, uh, a lot of it confusion as far as understanding the legislative piece in in, in that was a, a topic, um, but that you... At the core of it, you're not anti-trans. Right. And and I would say that although you are not anti-trans, you agree, though, that your behavior and what you said is complicit and adds to the oppression 
of this very marginalized group uh, of the transgender community. I apologize for, you know, all everything that have happened at the hectic pace of the campaign, um, at the height of, um, you know, all kinds of scrutiny. You know, um, it was the very first time that I was being scrutinized like that. And, you know, that's a big lesson learned. But at the same time, it doesn't take me away from, you know, who I am, that I really respect the transgender rights and the transgender people, LGBTQ people or any people, the right to their, um, you know, enjoyment, you know. Um, yeah. Hold I, on, I forgot. I forgot what was the line of question. <laughs> No, and, and no, I was just trying to paraphrase and understand so that, you know, we, we, oh, okay. we and get to the core of why we're bringing you here. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. Yes. So uh, even just reading and understanding what was said and done, like, yes, I would agree that that was very hurtful. Oh. And in fact, uh, yeah, I, 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 have, I had voiced my public opinion and wanted more LGBTQ leaders to denounce the action to talk to you like we're right. you know Got it. but it is what it is you pulled out of the race um even though your name still stayed on it on the ballot uh but you publicly pulled out of mm -hmm. you know running for school board and the progressive community has really rallied around you being transphobic anti-trans people will remember your candidacy for school board as the anti-transgender candidate it's been some time now. It's been, I think, uh, you know, half a year at least. We're at the beginning of 2019. It sounds like you're apologetic. Where are we? Where are we now with that? Like, well, how are you moving forward? So I wanted to not just to apologize to the LGBTQ community and the progressive community. More importantly, I want to apologize to everybody, even the people that supported me and have put full trust in me um, that what happened was really unacceptable. Um, and I'm glad I pulled out of the race so that we can take a step back to re-examine um, how we can be consistent and build trust between somebody like me and the uh, community that I represent because we came in with a lot of differences and many things that are not known to the general community, you know, um, how this community operate and how, what kind of language, culture and nuances, right? And at the same time, our community does not know a whole lot about LGBTQ community. So it's a good thing that we take a step back and let's just work on building trust and building relationship. And I think it every, people have every right to be upset, you know, um, just you know, um, you know, just like, um, but being upset does not solve the problem. And I, I'm seeking, what I'm seeking is the goal to move beyond upset, to really um, build relationship and build trust. Um, because just like when I was in 2013, I was upset when certain things were presented to me. And I immediately jump into conclusions and things like that and make unfortunate speeches. But we can do better than that because the two communities are really, you know, the p same piece in the pot. Um, we have gone through a lot of adversity. We have gone through a lot of sacrifice to be here. And this is the city where we have found refuge 
And I want to work on building relationship and building trust with the LGBTQ community and work on things that are common to the both community. Because when we are united, we can do a better job fighting things that would disrupt our way of lives and way of love. It's very true. I, I also think that, you know, and, and knowing that 90% of trans people face violence, homelessness, poverty, mm-hmm. um, that there's more that we can do other than hope and and apologize for mm-hmm. our failings to our trans brothers and sisters, our community. And so I was wondering, like, I mean, I know that, you know, as a candidate, you were um, one of the candidates who had raised the most amount of money for, you know, your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you probably are still involved as a PTA mom and you're definitely still a mom to two kids. You have the power to shape how they think and how they feel, not through words, but just by actions. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask if we could translate, if if, if the apology is very true. Because at this point, the community doesn't want to hear an apology. Uh, they, that, 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 to them, it's already been double-crossed, right? Like mm-hmm. you apologize many times and then got the translation back that it wasn't really an apology. It's a non-apology. Well, okay, we're not asking for an apology, but what can you do? What will you do in order to, you know, redeem yourself? Mm-hmm. Because you're not anti-LGBTQ. I have I have some suggestions, you know, but I'd love to hear from you. Well, I would love to hear your suggestions. Yeah, because yeah. maybe you wouldn't know. But yeah, I would start, in my opinion, you know, I know that a lot of our transgender youth organizations need you know, funding, they need people to stand up for the organizations, they need allies, you know, and, and, and that's a great word. I'm, I'm telling you, here's how to be a good ally. Mm-hmm. I also think that how you shape your, your children's, um, uh, uh, you know, how they, they feel about LGBTQ is quite important. And then continue on with PTA is uh, standing up for transgender rights within the school, even if you're not running for office. And in the Chinese community, holding space for LGBTQ, you know, uh, issues to also be included in the conversation, because it sounds like you still have a voice in the Chinese community Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Yeah, I think those are all great suggestions. You know, I look forward to work with you and many members of the LGBTQ community, especially GAPA Foundation and GAPA, um, to break break new grounds. I think that, you know, in my own little way that I have been helping many LGBTQ community uh, uh, privately or one-on-one because that's how the community culture operates. You know, know, my daughter, my older daughter who had a kidney failure, her best friend from kindergarten had transformed from a girl to a boy in the past year. Um, it was devastating to the mom. Um, uh, but I was glad that I was there to be able to help her transition and accept her new son Mm-hmm. to be who he really is. And mm-hmm. it's a very beautiful process. It's going to be 
a long time. It's not going to be a one-day overnight process. We will have to continue to work on it um, and give the support, letting the parents know that the daughter or the son, doesn't matter what the gender identity is, is still going to be the same person. Um, but now with this the aftereffect of the campaign, it really gave me a new uh, opportunity to work at a higher level, like you said, you know, at the community level. And I'm more than happy to promote the inter-community understanding and build trust. I think only when trust comes along, uh, we can do a lot of things with ease, right? Just like how I didn't have trust with the general community back in 2013 and say stupid things. People don't have trust on me. doesn't matter what I really said, what my intention was or is, and, um, but the projection was that, you know, I lost the trust. Um, the important thing is that I think to build trust between community, it means that uh, we have to understand the two communities very intimately. Only when we are culturally competent, then we are able to get the ears and heart of that community. And this is what I wanted to do. I think LGBTQ community has made great stride nationally, uh, marriage equality and many other fronts. And at the same time, what I want to help and be able to help is to help at home. Are you able to get the acceptance from your families, your parents, or your community, your church? Can we do that? Can we start from there? Will you open up yourself and your home so that we can work on it together? I'm more than happy to use my language skill and the culture understanding to build those grounds. And at the same time, I would invite the LGBTQ community to work on issues that are important to the Chinese community mm -hmm. as well. Right now, family-based immigration uh, uh, and undocumented immigration, these issues are are on the table to be taken away. And also in our city, racially targeted crime is skyrocketing. You know, in this valley and in Chinatown, seniors are being targeted and, you know, beaten. That's home right. burglaries, uh, home invasion are happening because they have Chinese signs um, uh, in their home and shoes in front of their homes and Chinese New Year time around. There are lots of, you know, red envelope money in the home. So there are lots of home burglaries. And I want to invite LGBT community to also work on our issues so that we can together become allies truly and work on our efforts and redouble what we can do together. Well, I guess I have a comment or question really for both of you. <clears throat> and it really goes to some of the reaction of people to what you'd said and done and texted and then in your campaign. And, uh, there's a certain amount of intolerance among the critics who, yes, they might have felt burned once, but not only don't want to ignore you, they don't want you to speak. They want to prevent you from speaking. Um, I don't know if that's, and I mean, I, I come from a family of journalists and artists, so I'm very strong in free speech and First Amendment and such, but... Um, there, we've got this culture on the left in San Francisco that oftentimes will say, if, if you offend me, you shouldn't have free speech. You shouldn't be allowed to run for office. You should be shut down. And I don't know how to deal with that because that's so alien to what I grew up with. 
Michelle, you're smiling. Do you have a comment maybe first? <laughs> well, you know, Josephina, I, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, I was one of the early on critics of what I was reading, what I was seeing, what I was hearing, disappointed, hurt, you know, to to hear this, that this was this was going on in San Francisco. This was being said by you know, about transgender people. And then the fact that state senator Scott Weiner had endorsed you and had not distanced himself and being a member of the LGBTQ community. So starting there and and then doing my reading and seeing it you know, just kind of starting to ask a lot of questions. Your 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 behavior in the and what you said isn't different is it very different from some of my own family members and some of the relationships that I have with my my family a family of refugees and immigrants um and and the mistakes or the ignorance you know that they have had so leading up to asking you to be on the show was really somebody in my own community had asked me to lead and moderate a conversation about Asian American LGBTQ immigrant and their, their, their journey. Um, we're going to talk about you. Well, we're going to talk about you. I kind of need to talk to you so I can understand what was, what happened, what was going on. Um, so to finally answer John's question, the moment before I even hit the send email to have you come on the show I had to compare you to somebody that I would want to silence their voice, which is someone like Milo Yiannopoulos and someone, you know, and, and the, the real very dangerous alt-right voices, a gay person um, who's racist, who's fat shames women, who, you know, his whole shtick was about growing this base of uh, very dangerous minds to to really hate people mm. and i had to compare him to you wow. if that was what in <laughs> fact you were trying to do but in the chinese community mm. and so I, I you know is it hate speech what you're trying to do were you trying to get a bunch of your constituents to to vote against trans rights i didn't think that I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going, I didn't, you, you uh, said yes to this invitation. You would apologize. I read Mandy Lee's opinions piece in the Bay Area Reporter, Mandy Lee being on the board for Equality California, a lesbian Chinese American woman who had written openly about um, your relationship together and, and the need for, to evolve. So if you truly were somebody that really wanted to, to us to, not have you know not be humans um then i then I'd, i wouldn't have invited you i would have said that maybe your your politics is incredibly dangerous to public mind so my an my answer to that is that i think we need to have a real conversation about what is hate speech what is free speech um when we have people who disagree with us or don't understand you know our issues how we have to find an alternative method to have those difficult conversations other than silencing and boycotting because we're all different in this country. And the, and, and the, one of the fundamental 
um, constitutional rights that can actually bring us together is to talk. This idea of freedom of speech. We don't have our voice. We don't have the opportunity to talk. None of us have anything. So that's why I'm really grateful for this opportunity to come here to the studio and talk to you. And I'm grateful for Commonwealth's uh, platform to allow somebody like me to come in and talk. You know, this is like really the first time ever that I'm being interviewed for, by, uh, by the uh, mainstream platform, you know. And I think this is a very good step, the first step to really promote the intercommunication uh, between the two communities. And uh, like you said, that, you know, I'm used to be being shut out and shut down in how I grew up. So, um, but America is, the beauty of America is exactly why we are here. That, you know, democracy, everyone has your voice. Some voice may be what you like to hear, some may not. You know, some may be hate speech, some may be love speech, but doesn't matter. As long as we can speak, we let people, our audience, filter out which ones are the hate speech and which one that they want to listen to and get along with, go along with. And that is what I like about San Francisco. I think that as long as we start talking and getting to understand and know each other more, and I'm sure the truth will come out and I will continue to do whatever work I've been doing. I would not change on the level of passion, the passion and the work that I've been doing. Uh, but I would just do it in a bigger scale with your support and with your understanding and we would do beautiful things together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, again, some of the suggestions that I had, I, I really do strongly feel supporting transgender youth. If, if that's really something uh, that you're not anti-trans, I would start there. And okay. supporting that means um, the policy, the organizations who are doing the work and building up the, the, the strength of those organizations. They need more allyship. Sure. And, and, and yeah, especially yeah. in the school systems. Yeah. You know, like before I came on this show, I've got a lot of harassing and even threatening messages uh, from my Facebook and um, et cetera. So people want me to be out of here, out of a job, out of the city, out of sight altogether. So I'm grateful that there are people in the LGBTQ community that are willing to work with me, that organizations are willing to work with me. And not only that, if we can build relationship together, I guarantee not only that they will get their voice doubled, but they will also be able to access a lot of parts of Chinese community where they can find more allies and alliances. John, any last thoughts, questions for Josephine? I guess kind of the obvious one I think a lot of people listening to this would have, which is, do you foresee another run for office in the future? Well, let's get the groundwork done first. Let's build trust. Let's build community. Let's work together. That sounds like a yes. <laughs> oh, you're way ahead of me. <laughs> Thank you, John. I'm never running for office. I like where I'm at in this cubby hole of the radio studio. <laughs> oh, Josephine, thank you so much for joining us here on the program and for sharing a very difficult conversation and, and sharing a part of you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, John. Thank you. The Michelle Meow Show. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for a Commonwealth Club of California program presented by Week to Week, airing on the Michelle Miao Show on the Progressive Voices Network. I'm John Zipperer, and you can join us Thursdays when I co-host with Michelle before a live audience at the Commonwealth Club in downtown San Francisco. 
Join us for an upcoming program and find out more about the club and how you can become involved at commonwealthclub.org slash MMS.